Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor-in-chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large. And it's a weird time of the year. Once again, we're realizing that here in late May, we should be at the Cannes Film Festival getting through a huge crop of international movies and having late nights on the Quasette and looking ahead to Memorial Day and the summer movie season. Well, we are anticipating can and we are looking ahead to the summer movie season, but it feels a little bit different. And I wonder how that's sitting with you, because to me, it's like I have to stop sometimes and realize just how much the timeline has been disrupted over the past year. It just throws you. It just throws all your rhythms. You know, I mean, I shouldn't be preparing to go to to New York for Tribeca. <laughs> Which, by the <laughs> way, we're, we're happy that you are. <laughs> and I'm delighted to be coming. I want to see the Anthony Bourdain. I want to see the the uh, the Soderbergh. I mean, there's plenty of action, uh, lots of documentaries to catch up on. I'm very excited. But yeah, summer to... summer season of Tribeca. See you. I want to see you yeah. in person. Eric, it'll it'll how be a lot of fun. Been, and, and but the idea, you're right. The idea of doing kicking off the actual summer season with the Tribeca Film Festival is is totally Odd. different. It's usually an April festival, and by June, it's just really hard to think about festivals in general because you're coming out of Cannes and tipping into the fall. So you you know you're sort of getting your druthers about what the rest of the year is going to look like. And instead, it kind of feels like in June, we're going to be revving our engines for a really dense season that'll start with Cannes in July and go straight into the fall season. So, so it's weird because we've got Memorial Day coming up and we've got Quiet Place 2, which you and I have both seen and we can talk about now, right? We're allowed. So uh, that movie, I, I, I just, I, I found it, ext- I mean, what, what happens when you go back to the theater and you're in a, a real sound and image kind of thing it is it hits you more intensely when you're not used to it maybe and that movie is a relentless series of jolts i mean it's all built and, around that uh, that's what it is it, 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 it is very straightforward silence <laughs> fam- and then sudden shocking sound that's what that movie is built around into its premise and that's what a jump scare really and it is. starts it's a jump scare right so the, and I, I they got a yelp out of me at one point i won't tell you when but a few um, times worked on me too i was, mean I, sometimes I, I get annoyed with that i had fun watching this movie i had a lot of issues with it but it was fascinating i mean just in terms experientially i've been to the movies a bunch i've been to new york art houses and i've been to press screenings that were set up you know for me and maybe one or two other peers over the past year but this was the first time i went to a multiplex for one of those all media screenings and that was really fascinating seeing a couple indie wire peers a couple other journalists who i hadn't seen in a while and sitting in a dolby theater at, at lincoln square you know it was it was fascinating to get to get back into that and realize oh okay even if the movie itself is not a slam dunk. And this one is definitely not. I felt like it was a retread in certain ways. It's got some very strange decisions in the second half, but it delivers a certain kind of visceral, very uniquely blockbuster kind of excitement that is so particular to sitting in a big theater with the ideal sound image. So in a way it was enjoyable and in a way it was torture. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, and, and you could also see it all a mile away. You know, there's this intricate, 
you know, if he if he gives you a close up of some significant thing, you know that that significant thing is going to be a plot point yeah, later yeah. on. So you kind of figure out what's going on. I love the way he handled Melissa, Millicent Simmons. You know, yeah, she's who, the real star. So good and so delightful um, uh, as an actress to just be with her and watch her uh, be the the sort of honorable core uh, of the movie, rising to the occasion as a, a heroic figure. And Emily Blunt is a heroic figure too, also rising to the occasion. But it it is. Um, Having a baby be uh, a, a newborn baby, being a vulnerable character in this family saga, was was another level of stakes that I found hard to take. You know, there were, there were a lot of things I found hard to take. I mean, the problem with this movie is that it's got the same really savvy premise of the original, which was the screenplay that, and you know, everybody told that story about the screenplay bouncing around and finally making its way into. Hollywood and being a hot project, it doesn't really build on that, I think, in, in very interesting ways. So you kind of feel like even though there's some new characters, it gives you a little bit more backstory in terms of how things went down on the initial invasion from these crazy monster things. But it's still like, ultimately, I felt like I was just watching the same movie with a few other variables. It just and, and there's there's that duex machina thing, too, where it's like, haven't we seen enough movies where things happen just in the nick of time? You know, why is it that in the writer's room, nobody says, hey, this is a little bit too tidy. Can we just tweak a bit here and there to make it more organic? That kind of thing. But I mean, that's a blockbuster problem. Well, right? I'm really, I know it's going to be huge. I mean, I'm not even worried about it. I mean, there's no, there's no way it won't be huge. But um, I'm, I'm thinking that the older parental demographic may want to give this a, a pass because, because <laughs> it's gory. really, it's really, it's any child, any parent of a child is just going to be, you know, tortured by it. And, and the other question for me is, is the pandemic question. I mean, it's, it, what movie was this before the pandemic and what is it afterwards when we're, we're all pandemic. still recovering, yep. still having a bit of PTSD from what we've just been through. I mean, right. it was a serious well, thing. I mean, a, we're not out, entirely out of it, but time, we're getting right? there. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed, frankly, and I'm curious to know how other audience members feel, but I enjoyed the fantasy of destruction, right? So Susan Sontag wrote this great essay years ago, The Imagination of Dis a Disaster, where she's basically like these movies like Godzilla or whatever, they take the horror that's real about our world and they translate it into something that we can delight in. And that's the fundamental escapism in play. That's essentially what I got out of it. I was like, it's nice to watch the end of the world in a way that's supposed to be entertaining. It's not everyone having to wear masks and social distance and stay at home. It's something that's completely ridiculous. And so you can, you can escape the ridiculousness that you've been living through with something else. And I, I did enjoy that. And I wonder if that's something that worth noting. It's like, it's not like we're going to get a bunch of pandemic thrillers, but I don't think we've lost end of the world movies. You know, that that trope, I think people will be happy to see that sort of treated in, in more of an area. And that's probably why quite, people will enjoy watching Quiet Place too. And maybe they'll be forgiving of some of the plot holes and stuff because going to a big screen movie is fun. I haven't seen F9 yet. I think we should probably get a chance to see that one because that seems like even That's going to be even so. bigger. 
that one yeah. that's later in June. Um, but the but the one that's coming up next is Cruella, which um, I could have gone to a screening yesterday, but I had a deadline. <laughs> Hello, and so I got them to send me a link. I'll see it uh, tomorrow. Uh, I, I I wish I was seeing that on the big screen actually, but um, you know time time was pressing, and I did go to another screening last night of something I can't talk about yet, which was quite good. Um, and uh, and it was lovely to be and it, this was a case where I went back to the anonymous uh, screening room and and last time uh, everybody was wearing masks and trying to be very careful this time not a mask in sight it was oh, no. like Hollywood is assuming Yikes. that everybody's vaccinated and that's that's it at the event yesterday um, which we were we should talk about the big screen is back oh event, yes. um, which was at the AMC 15 in uh, Century City. And it was like everybody had to wear a mask inside. You better wear your mask at the theater. Like that. Yeah. yeah, and everybody was distanced. So there were only 34 people there, uh, uh, members of the press, and they were putting on uh, a group show from all the studios, 13 people um uh, 13 companies participated, indies, subsidiaries, and studios. And uh, it was really a, a long <laughs> three and a half hour well, uh, me, thing. The headline you, for your story kind of says it all. <laughs> Hollywood spent nearly four hours telling the press it wants moviegoers back in theaters. In that amount of time, you could stuff in at least one and a half blockbusters. So it was, it was, it was a lot of trailers that we've already seen before. It was, it was a lot of. Uh, there were some sizzle, sizzle reels, and Arnold did a we is we're back routine, and J.J. Abrams was was lovely, but um, it was, was really um, CinemaCon, right? It's CinemaCon it stuffed into CinemaCon has. A, a certain charm that is actually based on the idea that all these Hollywood stars are coming in on the company jets and putting on a show for some 4,000 exhibitors. And there's an audience there and they're clapping and applauding and excited and, and they want to see the movie stars that, that, you know, bring people into their theaters. There's something so, organic and, yeah. and real about that interaction. And it will occur in August. It'll be moved back to August. Um, but uh, this was a very uh, small scale uh, version of that. But it generated press and, and I can't quite parse whether or not the press it generated was strong enough to make the case that this is the big screen presentation that needs to happen ahead of the first summer movie season at, with the pandemic on the waning I think the side. reality yeah. is that marketing has to kick in and people are going to hear that Cruella is good and Quiet Place Part 2 is good and they will go back and they'll have a good time and they'll be reminded of how much fun it is. Godzilla got them back in even at the end of March. So I don't see why these other two pre-sold, pre-branded uh, movies won't be big hits. I, I can't see why they yeah. wouldn't be. I mean, it seems to me like the, the one-two punch... I mean, I, I don't know about Cruella. That's that's that one I'm very curious about. But F9 and Black Widow being these two kinds of aspects of the big screen experience that seem like they still have a lot of currency, you know, like the big franchise 
explosive spectacle experience and then the Marvel movie that does that on top of, you know, world building that's really exciting to people. At the same time that they're offering it on PVOD for a price at Disney Plus, so which I think test. is really interesting. It's a real And test. That sh that's a sign of a certain kind of conservatism on Disney's part. Like they need to make that money. They have to they have to back themselves up on a I I, I don't get that one. It's Why they wouldn't just go I mean, for it, broke with theaters on Cruella? Yeah, I mean, it I is mean a, uh, Black uh, Widow. Black Widow, Black yeah, Widow. because it, it's a it's strange on on one level because if you're going to have to get people to theaters, it's probably a good idea to put something that is super exclusive in terms of what it's offering. I mean, the spoilers yeah. and stuff. You know, as soon as it's on PVOD certain fans are just going to want to have it so quickly they don't even want to get in their cars or the subway or whatever to go to the movie theater they just want it now and that's you know that's disney on some level admitting that they've already given up on on theatrical i don't i don't uh i don't understand it they were there were some interesting i mean kevin feige at the event uh presented a video thing and he made a big big fuss about how he wants people to see his marvel movies in theaters that's how they were intended to be made and that's how they should be seen so he may he did not pull any punches on that so you can see that there's an argument being made inside the studio I, if kevin feige were voting he wouldn't want black widow to be on pvod clearly yeah, and I'm sure that on the Pixar side of things with Luca, exactly, they're unhappy too. They've they've clearly. also expressed unhappiness. It's, it's frustrating. It's I one mean, thing during a pandemic, but we're right. out of the pandemic well, now. We're getting there in any case. I mean, that's sort of part of it, right? Is it we're not in the same world we were in at the start of 2020. Even if you could say at some point in the summer, maybe the CDC will say there is no more pandemic because cases are too low, which isn't going to happen, by the way, because in some parts of the world, it's still really bad. In some parts of the country, it's still really bad. So we aren't actually out of the pandemic. And some people are still afraid to go out. And some people shouldn't because in some parts of the country, it's still not safe to do that. So there's it's it's an imperfect situation but at the same time if you're going to invest in a certain approach and use theaters as a launch pad go ahead and use those theaters i mean it's it's going to be fascinating to see how much more complicated the arguments about this get now because well, some people trust them and some don't some people i mean there've been they 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 came out with some statistics and polling that they did of a million people around the world and and how much they're apparently in china the confidence is back up to 95% because hmm. everything's clear as a bell over there. Um, in, uh, in, in other parts of the world, less so. It, if, if, it would seem to me that if you wear a mask on an airplane and you're willing to fly, you should be willing to wear a mask in a theater. It, 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 and, if, and they still have distant seating in theaters, not on airplanes. I just took one back and forth from the East Coast, and there were no empty seats on the second round of flights I took. So. Yeah, I mean, and I think this is only going to intensify. Walking around New York, you know, this past week we went back to 100% for most businesses. And you don't have to wear a mask, uh, you know, all the time. You don't have to wear a mask when you're outside, but you still see people wearing masks, maybe because they're going in and out of places, and most businesses seem to still be requiring them. I, the only place where I was sort of caught off guard was I went into a convenience store to, to get some water or something. And, you know, the guy behind the counter wasn't wasn't there was no mask in sight a couple of weeks ago. That would have been taboo. Now 
totally legal and totally fine. So we're going to start seeing these kind of subtle changes and those shifts. I think shifts. people are still wearing masks and, sh and shopping, you know, yeah. in supermarkets. But little and so by on. little, things will change Interiors. in that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to take a really long time to get beyond that. And so then that leaves this question of when do you get to the point where going to the movie theater doesn't require you to dress up like you're going to the hospital? Um, and it's not nobody knows as nobody soon as everybody's sitting down with their popcorn and their soda they're allowed to take their mask off yeah which in the theater is, but then which some is people don't not like that yeah assuming I mean, there are lots of people in there who aren't vaccinated right you know that's an issue that's totally. why i keep my mask on right yeah i mean honestly can you just wait two hours before you eat the ridiculously oversized and overpriced popcorn? I was marveling at those. The costs are still outrageous at multi. Of course they now. are. Of course I they are. I can't understand that. I mean, I just smuggle in your own food or, or have a meal beforehand or something, man. Like, anyway, that's my pet peeve that, you know, predates the pandemic. But I did, I will admit, I did have a good time going to the Nighthawk a few weeks ago and uh, ordering some drinks to go along with watching Shiva Baby. That was a good time. And I'd like to think that most people in the theater were vaccinated, but I didn't take a poll. So everybody's standards are different now. That's just kind of the world that we're in right now. Speaking of, of seeing something in our house, so I, I will say one of the things I really enjoyed about your report and others from this event was knowing that it wasn't just about the big Hollywood movies. You had no, the indie representation. The reality seems to be uh, what I picked. What what I read out of this was was that the the not to put too fine a point on it. The theater owners have been humbled by this whole experience. They were holding out like they were strong, tough, you know, big companies with lots of money that they could they could you know fight off the studios and everything and now they're they're uh on their knees as it were and 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 they need all the content they can get and one of the sources of that content is going to be the independents and the specialty companies right. who still need theaters who, yep. who can't just send movies all over the world or put them on PVOD and expect to get it. They need to brand their movies. They need to build them into something by being in theaters for a long time. That's yep. their business. So I think they figured that out. So I was excited to see that they were that you know A twenty four is pushing Green Knight, which you know when the trailer got out, people were super enthusiastic about that. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of the stuff that Neon has, like this weird. Nicolas Cage movie Pig and uh, Year of that Everlasting Storm. That actually looked Storm. good. Uh, it looked like the Truffle Hunters meets <laughs> John Wick Nick or Cage. something. Yeah, <laughs> or, or yeah, right, Mandy. Truffle Hunters meets Mandy. But uh, <laughs> but the thing about the that slate is is the range of it. I mean, Year of Everlasting Storm. I forgot this was a project with a Pitchet Pong and Jafar Panahi and all these amazing filmmakers doing doing shorts. Laura Poitras. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like a little can selection or something and michelle franco's new order i saw that last fall That's i love that movie. movie i highly wild recommend movie. that movie yeah really and the trailer and was really good but it stirs yeah. people up and, and not everybody loves it but it's a it's a good movie to argue about which i live for obviously so uh so you know. rebecca hall's uh night house looked really scary and you know beautiful it looked you know searchlight has that um uh, so there, there's a there's some there's some optimism. The, the other one that looked good to me was Nine Days, the mm -hmm. Sony Pictures Classics movie. Some of these, a lot of movies that were debuted 
in Sundance and have been held all this time. The other one being the Heidi Ewing movie, which yeah, I, it was, yeah, yeah Carry You With I Me. Mean, I thought I, that must have been come out long ago. I wasn't a huge Nine Days fan. I saw it back at Sundance 2020, but it's a weird one. And it has Spike Jones as a presenter, which makes a lot of sense. It's got a very bizarre kind of dreamlike aspect to its setting that will be fun for people to talk about actually kind of similar to soul in certain ways but more of a straight drama in terms of how it plays out but i carry you with me is, is a beautiful movie great about movie. The immigration great romance crisis. so yeah and overdue to to get out there so yeah i mean all, all the usual players are gearing up to take advantage of this stuff happening it's really it's quite something and, and i'll be curious to see how it dovetails into can and then the fall movie season as well because you know we're making plans to go to can we're talking about tell you ride we're talking about something will happen with the festivals that will launch oscar season so is something in the slate also going to be a part of that conversation how is that going well to one thing i noticed one of the one of the most obvious oscar movies on, on, um that was presented i mean aside from in the heights with or cruella getting costume nominations or something um in the heights is probably going to be in the oscar conversation but the one that um probably for the grandmother the abuela you know that'll be a yep. supporting actress yep. nom for sure um the 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 other one is respect which was supposed to be in the yep. oscar lineup and it got Long pushed back yep. so jennifer hudson is aretha franklin uh, forrest whitaker is her dad audra mcdonald is her mom um it it's uh it looks really good actually and it has the songs in it that are not in the Nat Geo Aretha Franklin series that oh, starred right Cynthia so Aretha. Got, that one didn't have respect. That yeah. one didn't have Chain of Fools, you know, all well, of it that. It barely so. got released because uh, Aretha didn't want it released during her lifetime and then it became a whole thing when after she passed. So this one is obviously has gotten around that problem early. No, this one had so. her approval. This right. one had Jennifer Hod Hudson. Uh, she was handpicked. She had to learn how to play the piano. Um, You'll she, be telling that story a lot. Singing live. <laughs> we'll hear know. that on and on. And I think Respect. it'll be fascinating. Be prepared, everybody. <laughs> She's going to be singing it on the late night show. But shows that's coming out in August in the usual sort of uh, time frame that a lot of, you know, the help came out then, the, the, uh, the butler Crowd-pleasing Oscar then. movies. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a certain slot. Yeah, and I mean... Spike Lee um, often has his films open right. in, in August. And Jennifer Hudson is is so already so respected in terms of what she does. So that's the kind of movie where even if the even if the movie isn't you know a, a critical favorite, uh, it seems sort of like the kind of thing where you can kind of assume that her performance is the thing that the engine that you look for to carry something like that. So fingers crossed it, it delivers on that front, but it's good to hear yeah, that the preview the, was good. The Nat Geo series was like uh, a full length series, right? You know, all the hours put in on the old, the backstory and the, 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 the ongoing biography. And I wish they had been able to do that one uh, in, in fewer episodes. It actually may work better as a two hour movie. That's a fascinating point of contrast. And so were you thrilled by Venom, Let There Be Carnage? Sounds like it would be really up your alley. No, I'm, it's apparently gotten a billion views so far, the trailer. <laughs> Whatever the hell that means. You know, I, mean, I, I didn't even see sure. the first one, and you know I'm a Tom Hardy silly. fan. It was um, silly. I usually I'm a, I'm a run fan to of, Tom Hardy, but yeah. not for Venom. 
I mean, the problem is that there there is an appeal for Venom as a character. It's baked into the comics mythology, and Tom Hardy plus Venom is is fascinating. As a as a young comics geek, I really liked the storyline. Uh, about the Carnage character, who's sort of this, you know, Venom is a, is an alien symbiote, right? So he has a an, a, a sort of offspring that a that a serial killer gets a hold of, and that's Carnage. So it's like Venom is sort of a a more intense hero of sorts than Spider Man, and Carnage is like this villain who's similar to Venom, has the same kind of powers. So. He's a really interesting. It's a really interesting storytelling device because they're they're sort of like it's like if you had Spider Man two Spider Man Jekyll and Hyde right? right exactly in a way yes but it's also like if you had two Spider Man and one was good and one was bad or two Supermen right it's this idea of what do you do with the powers at your disposal I don't know if that means it's going to be a I'll good movie maybe I'll catch up with but, it maybe yeah. I should uh, should have seen it. Uh, I mean, I'll never catch know. up with the first one. I, I, like I said, I didn't love it. I thought it was actually kind of silly, and Michelle Williams in particular I felt bad for. But the concept and, and Tom Hardy as an actor and all this kind of stuff, it has a lot of ongoing potential. So we'll see what happens on that front. Anyway, next week, I guess, we talk about Cruella. We go deep and long on this 134-minute movie that better justify all 134 minutes as far as i'm concerned because time is precious these days i don't think you're the target (laughs) audience eric you never know you never know anything's possible i'm sure we've got some other good stuff that's opening up did you get a chance to see army of dead yet it's on netflix now they finally sent it to me i mean go watch it i think i i I mean i haven't i think it opens tomorrow right yeah exactly we're recording on thursday so by the time this is out it's but i can see it i i could have if i'd gotten my act together i could have watched (laughs) they did they sent it to me literally today so let's see how it goes i mean if it's a as huge a hit as it seems like it could be for the service we might who knows maybe we'll get some kind of weird number game from them or something i mean to me what i found fascinating about this is that it's a it's a movie that's arising arriving as a full-fledged franchise they've already shot a prequel to it that's coming out later this year and there's an anime series coming out next year and i even have an idea I, when i was watching it, i think it's a spoiler to reveal this so i won't reveal it but the way the movie ends sets up a really ambitious possibility for a sequel as well it's a big cliffhanger so it seems to me like this is netflix's first fairly impressive attempt at launching a franchise i mean it's not going to be star wars or something because it's gory and r-rated but it's something that people could really get into so that's your homework. Mine is to watch Cruella, which I know you were already planning on doing. And I'm sure we'll have a good time chatting through things as usual as we count down to can and, and many other things that we like to talk about. So I'm going to see you up. soon. See In you person. soon, Anne. Have a good weekend, and uh, I will talk to you next week.